Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast includes frank discussions of mature themes that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is intended to provide encouragement and support through personal storytelling. The views expressed are the opinions of the participants and not intended to be medical, legal, clinical, or professional information or advice of any kind. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. 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 Welcome, 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 welcome to the Bubble Hour. I own it. I did that. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from the power weakness head on. Jean McCarthy, and you're listening to The Bubble Hour. Hello, and welcome to The Bubble Hour Archives, a treasure trove of episodes ranging from 2012 to 2022. I'm recovery advocate and author Jean McCarthy. I joined The Bubble Hour as a host in season two. Together with other hosts over the years, Ellie, Lisa, Amanda, and Catherine, we all extend to you our gratitude for listening and a heartfelt wish that this podcast will find a welcome home in your recovery toolkit. The resources mentioned on the show are available at thebubblehour.com, including information on the online support group called the BFB, or Booze Free Brigade, often mentioned on the show. Now, if you're hearing this message, you're listening to one of our free archived episodes, and we'll make sure that there are loads of these available for you to enjoy. These are partial versions of the original recordings, and if you want to hear more, you can listen to full versions and the entire back catalog ad-free by joining us on Patreon. So just head to patreon.com slash thebubblehour to learn more. I'll also put a link in the show notes to make it even easier for you to find that. So, all right then, enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. This is Catherine. Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm joined tonight by my wonderful co-hosts, Amanda and Jean. Hi, ladies. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Hi. So we've just gotten through the festive season of the holidays and New Year's. So tonight we'll be keeping up the celebratory spirit with a discussion of sober anniversaries. So these birthdays are or birthdays of sorts, I guess, are a big deal. You've kept sober for a whole year, doing the daily work of recovery, healing yourself, your relationships, and changing your thinking. You're recovering the core of who you are, and that's a cause for celebration. But these days can be a mixed bag of emotions, elation and satisfaction, but also some fear and uneasiness. So it's thinking about it, and when I hit my one year in April of 2013, I had this brief, weird thought of, great, that's done, now I can have a drink. And th- that was really strange and, and scary. And luckily, I had a good support network of sober people, and, 
I had even heard of people relapse, relapsing on their one-year anniversary. So that was helpful information to have in the back of my head. So I was able to really quickly move out of that thought. So I don't know, Jean and Amanda, if you have any kind of similar experiences with some of this. I had the opposite experience when I celebrated my first anniversary. I went to dinner with my husband and another couple, and they knew that I was sober. They knew that I was celebrating a one-year anniversary. And one of the fellows at dinner said, so are you going to drink now? Like, you're done. uh, I thought, hell no. No, this is it. Like, this is awesome. This is, I'm in this. This is great. But it burst my bubble a little bit. I really realized I was celebrating maybe in the wrong way with the wrong people. Certainly my husband mm-hmm. deserved to be part of that celebration, but I really now I'm coming up on my third anniversary and I'm going to celebrate it with other women in recovery at a yoga retreat because I think oh, no I love one that. understands. Yeah, no one understands quite like other people in recovery. So, yeah, it's very true. I've had that. I've heard the same thing as you, and I've I've actually seen it, Catherine. Where people, I've seen, I've heard of people relapsing right around their anniversary, and it was actually one of the best pieces of advice I got early on. My sponsor said to me, "You don't graduate from this program," and I've since said that to many people because. I, as your recovery meetings, they have, you get milestone markers for each month of sobriety, and that's all well and good, and it feels great, but it's definitely something to be careful of. And also, after you celebrate your year, you don't, it's not the monthly celebration. And so it, it can, it changes things a little bit. It's almost like you don't have something to look forward to. Hopefully by the time you get to a year, you're realizing that this is something that you want to do long term, but that's not always the case. For me, I, I just, I look at it as, and I guess since the very beginning, this is just one day at a time. And, and that just keeps me centered, but I've definitely seen the anniversaries, and it doesn't matter, it's not just the one year. It's just, a, I think a lot of us have anxiety, myself included, about certain things, and all of a sudden you're the center of attention. And sometimes people, it's a way to shy away from that. So it's just something to be aware of that you, a lot of people you hear will be more active in their recovery program as, they're, as they near their anniversaries, just as a, as a precaution. Are anniversaries in conflict with the idea of one day at a time? I think so, a little bit. They aren't because I think you, you, you do need to celebrate accomplishments just, just as you would a promotion at work, although it, that does, just saying that out loud sounds wrong, doesn't it? Because one's better than the other person. It doesn't, you know, matter the length of time that you have. It's all about one day. So I guess, and a, yes, a good point, Catherine. It is in conflict. Yeah, sorry, I had some, but it, that question on you, it just occurred to me. I don't know. But and, and in terms of celebrating, well, Jean, you and I happen to be together. We happen to be in the same city together on your thousand day. So that wasn't an exact <laughs> on the calendar 12 months. But I, I, I do feel that it's important to celebrate, though. Yeah. I, was, on my one year, really- I know a friend of mine asked me if I should She said, is it like a birthday? Is it something that you celebrate? And I said, yeah. My husband got me a bracelet and flowers. And and that that still felt important. I don't know, Jean, what do you think? I, here's what I do. I have an app on my phone and you plug in your 
your date, and it tells you how many days, months, weeks you are. And I roughly guess that I used to spend about 10 bucks a day on alcohol. So I just add a zero to the number of those days and think, wow, on my, on my thousandth day, I thought, wow, like I've saved $10,000. And um, mm. <laughs> that's pretty powerful. And it's a little bit dangerous because then I can go buy a pair of shoes. I think. Right. <laughs> but really, I think every day is a celebration. And as long as you stay in gratitude, I think that helps ground you from what you were talking about of it's being counterproductive. You're right. We don't want to seem like the longer we're in recovery, the more we become experts because it really is really a continuum. You're never, like you said, you never graduate. You never become an expert at at anything but yourself. And maybe that's the danger of putting a lot of emphasis on hallmarks, but it, it really is an accomplishment. And I think that's worth celebrating. For sure. Yeah, the definitely. Other, the other thing that um, my sponsor told me, and this was as you celebrate a monthly getting getting chips, and, and each year that you celebrate is it's not just for yourself. It's to show other people that this works and that it, then it can be done. And so if you put it in that perspective, that kind of changes the flavor for So you're actually doing service by celebrating with your, your peers to show just to show people that this can be done and and it's something to, to be proud of because that's it is so yeah, true. That's a good point. That's and a really in, good in the point. first days, two weeks sounds like an eternity. Two years sounds impossible. I, I remember thinking, how could anyone go two years? But suddenly you're there and you're shining that light for someone else. That's a really great point, Amanda. Mm-hmm. I love that. So tonight, we'll be talking to Courtney, Kate, and Jenny. Welcome, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. So glad you're all here. Thank you very much. So Courtney, Kate, and Jenny are all at various stages in their recovery, and they've each dealt with recent anniversaries, and will be sharing their experiences with these emotional landmarks. So we're going to do a little countdown, starting with Courtney, who just celebrated 12 years. Welcome, Courtney. Thanks, guys. It's just I've been sitting here just like gobbling up everything you're saying. <laughs> yes, I agree, and I'm nodding my head vigorously, but you can't see me. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear all your thoughts on this. Okay. So you want to hear a little bit about my story and birthday, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So we call it, I'm in Los Angeles, and we call them birthdays, and we even sing happy birthday, which I love. Do you guys do that? We uh, sing no, a it's happy birthday with anniversary, happy anniversary. In happy some meetings, but yeah, yeah, so, I've not so heard that, birthday. but that would be so cool. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Let's see. Yeah. And to the point of, is it like, in, does it fly in the face of one day at a time? I feel like no going on what Amanda was saying, that it's being of service, like showing that like this works. And, uh, and I think that what's neat about it is that there's like the room when somebody has a one year and then there's everything in between, and I like seeing people with a lot more time than me taking cakes and showing up and doing the same recovery yeah. program I'm doing. I'm like, all right, great. I've got people on either side. We're in here together. Yeah. So. I have to say, I, I always ball in recovery meetings when somebody, when they're celebrating an anniversary. Oh. I, I always get tears in my eyes, and no matter what the time is. I love it. Awesome. I especially for that one year, man. It's just like that here is just yeah. so I just love it. 
Okay, so here's my story. I, so my sobriety date is December 11th, and I got sober in 2001. And I did not, up until probably two weeks before, a uh, couple days before that, I didn't even think I was an alcoholic. I, which, which is testament to the power of denial because I had an eating disorder growing up and I didn't really like to lose control. So my drinking, I controlled it until there came a point when I, from my eating disorder, thought that doing a little bit of crystal meth would help control my weight. And so I did that and I did it. I thought I was using it as high strength dexatrim. I honestly, that's what I thought. I didn't party with anybody. Nobody knew I was doing it. It was super secret. I bought in bulk, and I had it put under my door by doormat, and I just pretended that's what it was. It was just to control my weight. I never got, like, scary thin. I just maintained, and because I was doing that, I was able to drink a lot, and so there came a point when I realized I, I was starting to go a little crazy, and, and I did that for seven years, so no fool wow. around. And I was going to bed, like, to not minimize the, I do identify as an alcoholic, I was going to bed with whatever I was drinking on the bed stand, putting it, you know, mm. next to me, and then waking up, and why wouldn't you finish what was there? So I was drinking mm-hmm. the whole time, going to work with vodka in a Gatorade, you know, bottle, and drinking all day long. But because I was doing drugs also, no one could really tell that I was getting drunk, and I, was, I didn't really think I was getting drunk. So it was just like this huge land of denial. And when I finally admitted to um, my father, who's in recovery, that I had been doing some drugs, and he helped me see that I thought I was going to be like just totally just... I felt like I destroyed my life because at that point I was like, all right, I have to stop doing these drugs because I know that's not a recipe for success. And I knew I was going to want to get married at some point and have a kid. And I just, but I was really scared to stop. Anyway, he helped me get into recovery. He brought me to my first meetings. He hooked me up with some people. And he, um, here's the thing. Up, up, I went to my, he brought me to my first meeting where I'd gone to meetings with him and given him his cake. In fact, I gave him his first cake and, wow. you know, 11 years prior to that and, Everybody was crying. Like at that meeting, I was crying. He was crying. Everybody's the tables were. It was just like crazy. So we're big criers in our family. <laughs> but anyway, I I went to that meeting and I it wasn't until later that morning when I was talking to someone saying I don't think alcohol was really my problem. I just have to stop doing this other thing. And she said, well, if you just you could try it for thirty days. And I was like, oh, I guess so. So, guys, I seriously did not think I was an alcoholic. I was, I'd just gone to a meeting. I knew I was going to start going to meetings. I still didn't really think I was an alcoholic. I just needed to stop doing this thing. So I, I realized that I was really getting anxious about not being able to have a glass of wine while I was quitting doing drugs, and I thought I would deserve a glass of wine. So when I got clear, and I got clear in about a half an hour thinking about how much that was bothering me, that, that there probably was an issue with alcohol, I just kind of said, all right, I'll try it for 30 days. And I went to, I finished every, all of my illegal drugs, and I can't believe I'm saying illegal drugs, so my, whatever, I just reset it. So, um, oh, yeah, so I finished everything, and I had my last beer, and I wrote a, wrote a prayer for God, whatever that was, to help me not have a really horrible withdrawal. And I woke up the next morning and I've been sober since then. So I really, I got an amazing gift and I, I 
I do believe it was a gift because I, it wasn't something I had earned. It was just, I got, I was able to stay sober. And what I did was I, you know, started going to recovery meetings. I did what was suggested. I got commitments. I might having, my dad was not my sponsor. He told me to go find another sponsor quickly, but he did give me some really strong directions. Go to get to meetings early, go to, somebody came up to me and said, 90 meetings, 90 days. And so I went and I did that. I really jumped in and it was great. And the fog cleared and I started to realize, I I had thought that getting sober meant that every day was going to be a day spent trying not to drink. Waking up, okay, I'm just going to not drink today. That's what I'm, that's my work. That's the thing. And very quickly, I found out that was not, that it was not going to be about not drinking. It was going to be about living. And I just recently read an entry in a journal that talked about how I had no idea that something I'd been doing every day had been totally getting in my way. Had been, and I'd been saying something was in my way. I can't get out of my own way. Those are the words I would use. And I had no idea that daily drug and alcohol use was crippling me. Oh, so, my God. That was absolutely me, Courtney. I can't believe you just said that. That's Really? I would say, why am I so stuck? What is in my way? I was reading all these books. I was all, I was in therapy. Yeah. I was, I was all spiritual. And I started <laughs> trying to, why am I so stuck? Stuck, I'm not moving, nothing is changing for me. I can't I just feel like there's a big hurdle in my way. Like Yeah. Did you think did you think see. you had a did you think you had a problem with alcohol at that yes, point? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I always you did. knew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. But um, that Cor- it was the Cor- kind of just- thing where it was just oh I'll anything but that. I I can I'll yeah. do anything else. Do you ever wish for a little bit of recovery inspiration on the go? Tiny Bubbles is a new podcast that brings you the best bits of the Bubble Hour podcast in quick little episodes, just 15 minutes long, but packed with wisdom, insight, and encouragement to live your life wholeheartedly and alcohol-free. Look for Tiny Bubbles wherever you get podcasts and subscribe today. Tiny Bubbles. Little bits of recovery goodness brought to you by the Bubble Hour. Sometimes all you need is a little pep talk so you can get back to living that beautiful life you're building. This is Dean. I have a question for you. I was explaining Mm -hmm. to someone the other day that for people that are addicted to alcohol or drugs, it's not fun. Like, that people have this idea that you're just partying all the time and it's fun, fun, and it's hard to quit because then you're not going to have fun anymore. So could mm-hmm. you just maybe talk about that? Is, is life a little more fun now that you're not carrying that burden around? Oh, yeah. I mean, that at the end, it wasn't fun. I will say it was... I'm a very organized person. I really was a very high-functioning person, so a little bit of speed was... <laughs> Just made that, just enhanced my efforts. But I would say at the end, my world was so small. I was in a relationship with someone who was very active. Anyway, I, he, he, he's going to be able to decide one day what he was. But I thought he was the problem. And then he broke up with me. And I'd been going out with him for almost four years. And it was like, and, I, and at that point, I thought that he was my whole, I needed to just really get things together. Guys, I was, 
I was lost. I was having a hard time. I, I was working, but I was having a hard time writing. Like I, I, I was doing, I was head of a research department for on a game show. And it's like serious facts. You have to have everything like we're talking about mm-hmm. standards and practices. And I would have to write a memo and it would take me like an hour to write a, a, a paragraph. And it was not fun. It was not fun. Right. And I, but I never, but I never thought I was partying. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the real huge denial about it. I never thought I yeah. was partying. Yeah. So well, I think it's much more interesting fun. about the depth of the n- denial that you're talking about. And then I'm so curious that you were willing to do, for example, 90 recovery meetings in 90 days, and you're willing to take all these suggestions and do this work when just yesterday right. you were in that denial. So that's a really uh, powerful. You guys know me with my higher power stuff, but for me, that feels like a real higher power kind of moment. No kidding. Well, also part of it was I'd been like the good little eating disorder girl with like the best little girl in the world wanting to look good on the outside. And what do I have to do? Okay, what do I have to do? So I felt like by the time everything got so small and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. And I, I, for it to have ended up that I was going to have to start going to recovery meetings and I was like, what? What? Mm. I felt like I had cratered my life. Like that job had ended, the relationship had ended. My world was teeny tiny and I wasn't thinking so well. So I was thinking well enough to know that I've really blown it really badly. And so for people to say, hey, if you do these things, you might feel better. And what's more, I felt like if I do them, I was going to get like some kind of gold star or something. I'm doing it. Look, I'm doing this. And, and the great thing was, is I immediately had, it wasn't outside people saying, oh, good for you. Chips are nice. But it wasn't like I was getting some girls. I just felt better going and doing those things. Mm. I actually felt better. So it was, that was a nice uh, way to get the benefit of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You well, I have to talk about that gold star kind of comment because so I'm just thinking, so now fast forwarding 12 years, hmm. what was the feeling leading up to this anniversary? Funny. I, I'd been warned like you guys that coming up on, on a, birthday, it can, people can get squirrely. It can feel, and I tell you, mm-hmm. there's this saying, somebody told me that alcoholics are the only people that will run out of a burning building and want a medal. Like <laughs> we want a parade. We want a medal. We listen to fire. We burn, we're burning that house down. We run out. We want everyone to like applause, right? Not, I yep. want a parade, but that's... Right. That's <laughs> I want a parade. I want a key to the city. I want the whole thing. <laughs> and then we're trying to deal with egos. What, so it's funny. I will tell you, I, it was a couple weeks before my birthday, and I was just starting to feel just not maybe a little irritable, restless, but I, what I call it is squirrely, just a little off, just not feeling great about stuff and... I don't know. And, I, and so I said to somebody, I, I feel like I'm feeling like it's coming up on my birthday, so maybe I'm a little, I think I'm a little squirrely. And he said, oh, really? Does that still happen? And, I, and so he mm. made me stop and think. I was like, am I just saying this because that's what I've heard and that's what I've always accepted is the truth? And I really checked in. I was like, is this true? Is it true? Is it because of that or it what? And I don't know, you guys, I just wonder if there is something, like, there's some cellular memory 
Because I don't think we decide to get sober. We're not getting sober on our best day. It's pretty much the worst right. day. It's our bottom. I feel like there's like muscle memory, cellular memory. There's something that our body just somehow is like still processing. I don't know if that's true, but I, I just, I do feel like there is something with this season. And I will say for those of us that celebrate around this time of year, that was very sweet, Catherine, when you were saying, oh, we've just, it's just been a time of celebration. And I've just been at a bunch of meetings where people have been calling it the Bermuda Triangle of Thanksgiving. And somebody else was saying, oh, we call it razor blade season in New York. I was like, yikes. But (laughs) the trifecta is what we, yeah, yeah. What I find is having my um, birthday at this time totally changed when all this, when all the um, Christmas stuff comes out in October, I'm like, it's my birthday. It's, it's all about me and I'm happy and I don't, I love all the Christmas stuff now. I don't resent it. I'm not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. Not, it's not, oh, the commercialization of Christmas. This is horrible. I'm like, it's my birthday. <laughs> so I, I came up on it, and here's what changed for me. I, no one really makes a big deal of it around here in terms of, like, my husband didn't buy me flowers. He bought me flowers the next day. And did he? I'm not sure if he bought me a card or not. It's, I've learned, like you guys have said, that I really shouldn't be looking for all the Atta girls from everybody who, who's a normie. It's, you're not supposed to be drinking. You're not supposed to be burning your house down. So get it from my recovery community is the best place to do it. But here's what, mm. here's, here's a big change for me. It was getting towards the end of the day, and I realized that my, my sponsor hadn't called me and my dad hadn't called me. And I had a little bit of, huh. And then I had this moment where I was like, wait a minute, shouldn't I be calling them? Shouldn't I be calling Mm -hmm. them and thanking them for what they've given me over the years and helping me with this on this whole journey? And I just thought, oh my God, that's so the way I want to be celebrating my birthday is like calling them first thing and saying, thank you for everything you did then and now and all the way along the way. So I feel like it, it shifted a little bit, but I still do to have, I still would like to have balloons and a pony. But 2014 is your year. <laughs> Stand by. Now that you guys know. Stand by. <laughs> yeah. We'll be out there. I, I love that idea of using your anniversary to thank others. That's maybe a great thought to think of. Is we could be giving uh, a token of our gratitude to the people in our lives that have supported us instead of expecting the parade and the tiara. That's, that's beautiful. I love that. Right? Yeah. And it takes away the expectation. Like my expectation Mm -hmm. that somebody's supposed to do something which is only going to very well possibly lead to a resentment. Take Good Care is a new collection of recovery readings inspired by the Bubble Hour. If you love the encouragement and support you find here on this podcast, then this new book is for you. Visit thebubblehour.com for more information or check the show notes for a link to purchase. You'll find Take Good Care on Amazon Worldwide. Take Good Care, recovery reading inspired by the Bubble Hour, the perfect gift for yourself and friends. Help others find the message of recovery we champion on the Bubble Hour. Plus, get access to the entire backlist ad-free by joining us on Patreon. Patron support helps with the ongoing expense of making free versions of the show available, as well as the cost to make new content like our spin-off podcast, Tiny Bubbles. 
Bubble Hour patron today at patreon.com slash thebubblehour and help us help others through stories of strength and hope. I'd like to welcome our next guest too, and that's Kate. Welcome, Kate. Hi, how are you? So Good. I'm, so I'm just thinking, I, I think your anniversary is in a couple of days, so there's still time for us to get the pony for you. Yeah. Oh my, I'm so excited. I know. I heard about the pony. I was when Courtney was talking. I was like, oh my, is that an option? Can we sign up for a pony? <laughs> that, that might be an option. Stay tuned. So tell us a little bit about your story, Kate, and what here has been, uh, has resonated with you. A lot of what everyone has said has really resonated with me. I immediately, when Amanda talked about, you know, talking about anniversaries as a form of service, I literally would have just been thinking the same thing. You know, my anniversary will be this uh, Thursday, is that right? January 9th. I got sober on January 9th of 2005. And there was another woman when I went to my first meeting who was celebrating, had just celebrated her two-year anniversary. And in this recovery meeting, they would have people qualify and their story and share it around their anniversary time. And I went to this meeting and I had no intention of coming back to another meeting. And she just had inspired me so much. And she, she cornered me afterward, of course, because of the thunderous applause <laughs> when I said it was day one for me. And talk about a parade. I thought they were going to have a parade right there on the spot. I thought, what is wrong with these crazy people? Like, <laughs> thunderous applause. I'm like, don't you understand? This is the worst day of my life. Like, the whole room is cheering wildly. But I, she really did a huge form of service by sharing her anniversary at that meeting and then saying, you have to come back tomorrow. I'm celebrating by sharing my story. And... At first, I said, no, thank you. Because my first meeting was on a Sunday, and I said, I can't do this on weekdays. And mm-hmm. they, I had a, five million excuses, actually, why I, w- I couldn't come back. And it was her two-year anniversary that got me back to meeting number two, and then a 90 and 90. So it was a huge form of service that, that she was celebrating her anniversary. But my oh, that's story is so that's my- amazing. Yeah, she's and she's still to this day. Now we've been sharing our stories with each other ever since. You know, here we are nine years mm-hmm. later, still the best of friends. And she has shared with me since that I am nothing like anyone she would ever want to hang out with. <laughs> she was literally, which is very funny. She's like, everything about you is everything I really just didn't really appeal to me. <laughs> so I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> We're literally like the best of friends. Um, <laughs> But so that was January 9th, and I I started drinking uh, when I was probably 12, drinking to get drunk. I certainly had alcohol before that. My grandparents were from Germany, and so it was just something that we were allowed to have. Like it was holidays where the kids got wine poured, so it was never anything secretive or hidden from us. And, and quite frankly, she used to also my grandmother give us rum and cokes, which in hindsight is so. <laughs> horrendous thing to get like a seven or eight year old a rum and coke but it was and my parents are not drinkers at all neither one of them my brother very little as well I took to it immediately <laughs> I, I knew the second I had it I loved it yeah you know I I when I first got sober I, I said to people like I thought everyone else's story everyone wanted to go back to their childhood and talk about their family stories and I just thought it for myself it was just bunch of baloney 
because I was a party girl. Like it wasn't because of family issues. I was just a cool party girl that got carried away. And unfortunately, like when I really, (laughs) as the years, days and years have passed, a 12 year old who has Tupperware containers of Southern comfort under her bed. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's not about being a party girl. That's not about going clubbing and being a party girl. Like, yeah. Some other things going on. I drank to get drunk from day one. I became a blackout drinker in college. I later found drugs to help me not get so drunk. Oh. Those were a gift. <laughs> it was like, holy cow, like I can go all night. This is amazing. It really was a game changer for me for a while where I just, it was like the answer. It was the answer until it, it was no longer the answer, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, and then the, the blackouts came and everything else, everything just got worse. And there, there are so many things along the way without getting into the gory detail. But I, I will say, you know, one of the things um, I was thinking about was, did, did I know I was an alcoholic? When did I know I'd gotten into some trouble? And I'll just leave it at that. And because I'd gotten into some trouble, I was asked to take this test of hundreds of questions. And I had answered the test in a manner that I thought would prove to be appropriate, that would get me out of trouble, or at least not make me go into some form of recovery. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I... I didn't answer truthfully on all of them. The one I answered truthfully on was, have you ever had a blackout? And because I thought if I said no, they would know that now I was just lying because it didn't ever occur to me that everyone didn't have a blackout. Um, That's a clever alcoholic mind trying to... Yeah, I was like, who would say that? Like, then it'll just be a farce. Then they'll they'll make me stay and ask me more questions. And the, the person who was going through the test, that she said, I'm not sure when we regrouped, I'm not sure exactly where to classify you. And my heart it just started beating, and, and I, I said, I don't, what do you mean? And she said, well, for the most part, everything's fairly normal, but this one right here, this have you ever had a blackout? She's like, that pretty much puts you in, in the alcoholic category. And I was like... I, I, it was, I mean, my heart was racing. I just, I couldn't believe what she was saying. And then, of course, I tried to backpedal. I'm like, wow, well, I, I remember, like, I remember things. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> nights where hours were black. From 8 o'clock on was, was completely black to me, and I got home at 2 a.m., and which is terrifying to me now. It was terrifying to me at, the, at that time. And by the way, if you're in trouble, if you're in some form of trouble and somebody's asking you to answer questions about your alcohol intake, chances are you probably have a problem. Yeah. You you know, I mean, that was probably all the evidence you really need. None of my friends were getting themselves into situations that required them. But it just wasn't obvious to me at the time. It just really wasn't. And at the same time. I used to sit there, like, in front of the computer with a glass of wine, like one eye shut because I was so drunk answering those questions on the, the websites that say, okay, do you drink alone? Do you ever black out? And I would try to fake out the test, like, this is, this is a sometime, so I'll answer it no. And I'd kind of carefully go through all these questions. And then at the end, this darn test would say, if you answered yes to any one of these questions, maybe an alcoholic. And also, not only yeah. is that hysterical to me now in a sad way, but then also 
I did that more than once. Like, hoping for <laughs> a different outcome. It's, it's fascinating. It really Kate, is. I just have to... <laughs> I have to pipe in too. So this is the, the one of one of the times I got in trouble enough that I was sent for one of those tests. I actually passed it, and that was I had to answer all the questions and then sit with the counselor and review them all, the same as you. And I had told her that I wasn't drinking at the time because I was on probation, and and she said, "You don't seem like an alcoholic. You can have you can drink a couple glasses of wine at night." And I was I was like, "Yes." But so that's to anyone who's listening who is faced with that. Like you said, Kate, the best thing is to be honest. And just the fact that you're having the test is a really Mm -hmm. good sign that you're probably an alcoholic. But I just (laughs) thought I was like, oh, she just gave, I just got permission from someone trained in this to drink. And so, never mind. Yeah, that's all I needed. That that would be the green light I, I would be looking for. Unfortunately, people were not giving me green lights <laughs> at the mm-hmm. end. Um, yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Obviously, the best thing that ever happened to me. And so I, I, you know, I also was very functioning. I had a, a great job and still do. But and I, this really resonated with me, Courtney. That when you said something you'd been doing every day had been getting in in your way. And nothing horrible, horrible happened, thank God, by the grace of God, that's how I feel about it. But all of my friends' lives were moving forward in ways that mine was not. Mm-hmm. You know, I got sober at age 35, and most of my friends, if, you know, not all of my girlfriends had gone on to get married. They were starting families. They'd already started their families, and it just, like, I was, I was going out every night, and I wasn't growing up. I just wasn't. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing all the things grown-ups do. And it never occurred to me that drinking might be the problem. Like, I started to wonder, like, why is everyone else getting these things that I'm not? Not enough to want to quit drinking. For me, the end was very anticlimactic. It was actually just sad and pathetic. It wasn't like... And people, some people who've known me for a long time would be like, what happened? What was... Because it was not easy for me to hide the fact that I got sober in business. It's very social. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. overnight, I was no longer drinking and entertaining people that I did business with in the same way. So I, I didn't and still don't speak about exactly what, that I, I don't use the word alcoholic. I don't talk about recovery unless somebody seeks it out or if I think somebody mm-hmm. needs the conversation. I will break my anonymity in terms of being an alcoholic at any point, if, if it will help any other person. I'll, I, I drop all fear in terms of fear of who will find out or who will hear if it's for another alcoholic. I'll do anything to help another alcoholic. I'm so grateful for the people who've helped me. But my last night was I'd just gone to work, and I was very hungover. My boss, they were big drinkers. They said, why don't you go home early and... I did, and I just, it was one of those, you always had to answer the bell, and I went home early, and that, to me, I don't know why on that day, it just felt as bad as it did, but I proceeded to drink a bottle of vodka, crawl into bed with my dog, and a bottle of vodka, it was just really sad, so when I started Mm. to have all these fake memories of how glamorous it was, and what an it girl I was, (laughs) 
Right. I have to remind myself right. that's not really the way it ended. Is it? Yeah, I rewrite history all the time, and it's not just with my drinking. It's with jobs and former boyfriends and everything right. else. I just love to rewrite history, have this euphoric recall of, of the way things were, and which is why, for me, recovery programs and friends that are in recovery are really helpful to help keep me, keep me straight on what was. And I went to my first meeting that next day, under applause, as I said, and I've been going to recovery meetings ever since. And I will say, in terms of the anniversary part, and this was mentioned also, it's the anniversary of the day I got sober, which is, in hindsight, the greatest thing that ever happened to me. But that was not the greatest day of my life. It was, mm-hmm. quite frankly, one of the worst days of my life. And for me, you know, I, it's just recently that I've started feeling this melancholy, a little bit of sadness around my anniversary. And it's occurred to me, it's a celebration, yes, but it's also a reminder. Like, it is the anniversary of the lowest point I've ever been in in my life. There's nothing that was lower. Mm-hmm. There really isn't. I felt so alone, so such a soul sickness, such an emptiness. The spirituality, like, disconnected from the world, even though I had a ton of friends and family that loved me. I, I just felt so disconnected. And at that moment, I felt desperate. I just felt desperate. And I'm today very grateful for the desperation because yeah. everyone I've seen this work for has, has been desperate. And it's what I've seen is that somebody's not desperate or not desperate enough, it's often caused to go back out drinking. And yeah. so that desperation, is hurt. <laughs> as painful as it was, I think, has served me really well. So for me, I, liked, I actually like to remember it. I use the rearview mirror concept, which I've learned in recovery meetings, which is you know, it's really important to have a rearview mirror when you're driving because you'd get in an accident if you didn't have a rearview mirror. But if you stared in the rearview mm. mirror the entire time, you would crash your car. So I do the look, don't stare, but I think it's, for me, really important to to look at it, and my anniversary provides a good opportunity to do that as well. I think it's so important, especially that when we were active, we were numbing our feelings, and so now we're always learning to practice sitting with those feelings. Just a week or so ago, we did a program a couple weeks ago on grief in recovery when you've lost somebody or gone through a big life change and sort of sitting with those emotions. This feels very similar in that way that you're just creating this space where you can hold this sadness. And a a friend of mine in in recovery calls it her sacred bottom. And that's what I'm hearing what you're saying, Kate, so this reminder of your lowest point. And I think that's really important to take a breath and, and honor a big moment. Yeah, I think so, too. I totally agree. <clears throat> Cookie, now, having said that, into oh, sorry, a joyful celebration. Are you able to turn that into a joyful celebration then, or do you okay. just allow it to be resonate as bittersweet or do you then move on to celebrate as your anniversary rolls around each year? What's it like for you? I, it's very joyful for me. It's, it is a celebration. I don't do anything extravagant. I have a recovery meeting where I've had the same friends since day one. I attended this for nine years and the people I'm closest to, they always show up 
and our lives have all, it's really funny because I have somebody who has taken me under their wing and he had a year and a half, I think, when we connected and did some recovery work, started doing recovery work together and still do to this day. And, you know, that just seemed like so much time. And then I had somebody that I started working with when I had just over a year of sobriety. And we all are still together, but our lives have just gone on to become so much richer and fuller. And, you know, I said I came in at age 35 um, at age 42. At age 40, I had a birthday party from a regular birthday, not a L.A. birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> a belly birthday. My real birthday, my 40, and I was very single, but I was very comfortable with it. I had five years of sobriety at that time and was really loving life, and I had 16 friends for a dinner at a really wonderful restaurant, and and I just, I savored every moment of that, but in that point, at age 40, I thought, and I'd been working with some kids, I, I took in sobriety the attitude that if I wasn't going to have a family of my own, that I wanted to help other families. So I have an autistic boy I became very close to and another girl who lived in a home for uh, homeless teenage girls. And I'm still very close to them to this day, but I now have my own family. So two years later, age 42, I ended up being, or at age 41, I started dating this guy who is the best man I've ever known. The perfect man for me came out of nowhere, really. And I got engaged and married, and pregnant, and had a baby. These were all things that I just didn't think were ever going to happen for me, and I was really fine with it. But the joy I feel mm-hmm. is sort of the thing. You know, like, all of our lives, so I mean, we still laugh about it. So the, the guy who took me under his wing and helped me with working the, the program I'm in, I couldn't even leave my apartment on a Saturday night. I couldn't. Right. I wasn't capable. Yep. And he really had to push me out the door. He finally, a few years into sobriety, he was, like, ready to push the baby bird out of the nest. And he's like, Kate, unless you think that the future Mr. Wright is going to come walking through your living room and say, law and order reruns are my favorite thing, too. I love law and order. I want you to be my wife. It's never going to happen. Oh my gosh, that's so. That was my, that's what my yep, that's what my sponsor said to me. She goes, "I don't think you think he's going to come knocking on your door while I was watching my prime time in the daytime on TNT as well." And same thing, you got to get out there. It was so hard, and I had the same so thing. Hard. Got sober at thirty-five, had a baby at forty. It was like miracle. Oh, I love hearing your story, Kate. Oh, I love you. this. I, so my answer is yes, we celebrate big time. My my close my my home friends, <laughs> it's still um, as melancholy as I, it is on the one side. It's none of these gifts would be mine without mm. sobriety. Like my husband, my son, my two-year-old son now, who is just a blessing beyond belief. My my husband actually, who's not a sober, but not somebody with any issues. <laughs> had a card um, and, a, and a small gift on the counter, kitchen counter waiting for me this morning. And it was, and I thought, oh, he's going to get a sweet card, but it was an anniversary card because he's traveling on business um. starting tomorrow. But I, so there's this part of me that's don't jinx it. You don't celebrate beforehand. You don't, and right. I like started getting real angry after I opened it. I was like, oh my God, how would he do this? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I still have certain superstitions around it. But then I, of course, calmed down and didn't let him hear that anxiety because it was so sweet that he went out yesterday and got all of this done. Um, so it sounds like it is possible to celebrate, but stick with one day at a time. We're not, it's the, if your day is the ninth and that's Thursday, it's still just a Thursday. So there's that, you can do both, it sounds like. Absolutely. Celebrate and stay in the present. I celebrate every day. I really do. I, I wake up and say thank you to my higher power every day. Every day is a celebration to me. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody, this is where we leave off for this shorter version of this conversation. But the episode does continue for another 30 minutes, and you can hear that if you join us over on Patreon, where we have the extended versions ad-free of all of our shows. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for walking this walk with us. We're glad you're here. Sober is a great way to live. And if it's something you aspire to, keep going. It's worth the effort. If you are walking this walk, please know you're not alone. We thank you for being here. Until next time, please take good care. I own it. I did that. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from the power head on me In a dark corner is where shame likes to hide We think you're strong just cause you'll keep it on the side It just stays in wait there to rob you of your pride Turn the light on, turn the light on, you can shine When you see I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Oh, this head on You don't have to shout it out on Main Street to be clear You don't need to whisper to confession every person you should talk to is looking at you in the mirror And the one who matters most can always hear When you say I old, different Not proud, but that was me And when I face it, I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free from the power Oh, you miss I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.